If you are a businesswoman working to amplify your six and seven figure business from success to significance, then you know it's not just about the right strategies or the right tactics. It's more and more about high caliber people around you, your team, your collaborators, and advisors that can open doors for you and widen your reach. Welcome to your Circle of Influence podcast with your hosts, Dr. Monica Ogando and Amy Walker. Welcome back, female entrepreneurs, to your Circle of Influence podcast. I'm your co-host, Amy Walker. And I'm the dancing musical Tourette's co-host, Dr. Monica Ogando. <laughs> she's on it today. She's like, she's got, she's moving. Oh, I love this Today... Topic. We are talking, talking about a great topic, which is another feminine leadership topic. We are going to talk about the power of collaboration. It's where the magic happens. We're not happens. talking Timberlake and Justin Timberlake. We're not talking about Timberland and Justin Timberlake. We're talking about epic feminine collaboration. <laughs> okay. Got nothing on it. So here's, here's where this comes for this. Here's where this comes from for me. Speak slowly. You'll get it right. Um, there used to be a time in human history where we understood that we could not survive without each other. Yeah. And so it was a survival mechanism to develop tribes, families, communities, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you think back to like, I'm talking thousands and thousands of years ago, right? If you think back to people who grew up around like cold climates, where you literally had to like fight the earth <laughs> to produce vegetables. And, and in the absence of that, you had to kill an animal in order to ensure your survival so your family could eat. Then it makes sense that your family would be as nuclear and as small as possible so that mm -hmm. you could use less, fewer resources to ensure the maximum survival. That makes sense to me, right? But when you start expanding and now we become this global economy, now it's like, no, it. I cannot, I cannot ensure my survival if it means you get the shorter end of the stick because eventually that short end of the stick is gonna loop back around to me and it's gonna be a karmic circle and we're just not gonna, hell is too hot for such a small infraction. <laughs> I love when you say that. That's my favorite. It's one of my favorite, top five favorite Dr. Monica okay. Ogando sayings. Hell is too hot for such a small infraction. <laughs> I'm gonna try to use that with my kids. We're gonna work that in. You know, it's interesting because when I look like if we come up closer, you know, in, in more recent history, um, collaboration was really a part of women's communities. Yeah. Uh, if you look at um, trying to get the right to vote, if you look at the PTAs, if you look at uh, even just like the the moms and all of their daughters getting together and building quilts and or making quilts, sewing. You can tell I don't build. I do not build quilts in case anyone's wondering. Baking for yeah. events, you know, hosting birthday parties for all of the extended people and everybody coming together. There was a lot of collaboration, mm -hmm. and then it seems like it kind of got lost in, especially in. Uh, successful business women. There's a lot of do it by yourself going on. Yeah. 
do you have any insights into what caused that shift? I mean, I have like some guesses, but I don't, I've never actually studied it. Well, I mean, you know, some of the research that we did for our book, When Women Lead, um, has elucidated some of that, especially in American culture. I'm just going to speak, this isn't a global conversation. It didn't happen this way at this time for all the countries in the world, but it did happen in the United States, which is when um, men were sent off to World War II and -hmm. women entered the workforce then it was like, oh, women can do the same work that men can do? Now, this is also where intersectionality matters because black women in this country have always done men's work. This is not news to us, okay? Um, but for some reason, Susie, white girl in you know suburbia USA was like, oh my God, I can actually do the same job that my husband does. Um, and so then it became a more collective conversation of what else can women do? Can we also compete in the athletic arena? Can we also compete in the political arena? Can we also compete in social policy? Can we make economic decisions in the same with, of course we can, it's not, can we? I, I don't mean, can we like capacity? I mean, can we like, can can we create the society that allows for this inner right. gift and, and, and possibility to happen? And um, And the only way that you know how to move society forward is through community and collective thinking. And one of the people love to talk about this whole right to vote thing. Uh, Women got white women, I should say, got the right to vote in 1920 as a result of the work of people like Elizabeth Kenton and Susan B. Anthony. However, they got that right to vote because they excluded another community. They were like, we will be damned. If we don't get the right to vote, I mean, if if a black man can get the right to vote and we won't, (laughs) we're married to the white man. We raise the white men in this country, et cetera, et cetera. And so when you understand all those nuances of how history and social policy come together, then you can understand why we are in this perfect storm of a time now in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And we can make better decisions because we are better educated about how we came to be here. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. In fact, I remember going to the Atlanta History Museum for the first time and reading about the um, votes for women movement in Atlanta, and it was to counterbalance the black man's vote. Right. I was like, well, that's not nearly as cool as what I was hoping to find here, (laughs) but it is Atlanta. It was the South. So, you know, right. So so here's some of the things that I have taken away in terms of like the strength or the, the, the value, the advantage, the strategic advantage of operating out of a collaborative mindset. And that is that number one, I don't have to do it all because everything is not my zone of genius. I am not going to be the baker, the caker and the candlestick maker. It's just not going to happen. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough interest, you know? And so to be in collaboration with other folks that the things that I'm not interested in or don't have a natural talent in can be their zone of genius, I'm already leveraged just by virtue of the relationship, right? So that's number one. And then number two is that um, being able to leave your post, knowing that it'll be taken yeah. care of by someone else that loves you, that mm-hmm. is committed to you. It, it, it's not going to do that to sabotage you. Also gives you a sense of peace of mind and allows you as an entrepreneur to explore different possibilities that wouldn't be available to you otherwise. Prime yes. example for me right now is like, for example, my sister, after years of taking care of, of being the primary full-time caregiver for her husband, her husband has since passed away. And now she is the breadwinner and she's the um, caretaker and, and single mom to these amazing two boys. Well, she has career desires and mm-hmm. our opportunity uh, popped up for her to be part of the 
fashion slash costume slash you know all this presentation stuff for uh super bowl uh 2022 that required her to be away travel to where the super bowl is going to be held for three weeks and now i know mm. people think the super bowl is already long enough <laughs> three hours four hours whatever it is but prep time you know et cetera, right. et cetera, she has to be away for three weeks okay well who's gonna take care of these children for three weeks see auntie if monica. you were auntie monica <laughs> abuela right uh, grandma from the other side uncles and aunts from the other side etc mm-hmm. so it's like when you understand that you are standing on the shoulders of other people so that your greatness can can be maximized then now it's all of a sudden it's not a matter of i have to give up this opportunity because i'm the only one that can take care of my children no you're not right well i i think part of where we got lost here is that when we did step into business and did step into the workforce that it was not set up to work the way that we work so we yeah. do truly work best in collaboration. Yes. We work best when we have other people that we can bounce creative ideas off of and, and work things through together. And there's a sense of um, vulnerability that comes with that because we mm-hmm. acknowledge and we accept and embrace that we don't have all of the answers. Yeah. And then when we stepped into work, it was like you had to look like you had all of the answers and you had it all figured out all of the time. Mm-hmm. And we've carried that through where it, I I feel like, you know, that's one of those old rules that existed for a specific time Mm -hmm. for a specific season. And we're still following it, even though the context has changed, we're playing a different game. Now I love collaboration. Uh, when I turned 40, I had this big, huge epiphany that I was like, I don't want to have all the answers for people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It was, it was like, I I don't want to be that person who has all the answers for all the people. I just want to be able to do what I'm great at. And then I want to bring other people in. So it's really funny because, uh, I was, and I, I know I've told you this before when I was growing up, I was always the person was like, Oh, a group project. Mm -hmm. That just means I'm going to do all the work and they're Mm going to get my A. Like that was totally my view of collaboration. I literally don't have anything that I'm doing now. That's not in collaboration. So we collaborate on the podcast and now you're on the YouTube channel. And so now I have a collaboration on my YouTube channel. Um, I know fun, fun. Mm -hmm. I have brought other coaches into my coaching programs and there's collaboration there. Mm -hmm. When I run retreats, I collaborate with somebody else. Um, I'm my new publishing business that I'm starting. I'm in collaboration with somebody else who is brilliant and we motivate each other. We inspire each other and we see the things that the other person doesn't see. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's not an area of my life that doesn't have collaboration. And that is why I've been able to expand into doing more because if I was still just doing it by myself, Mm -hmm. there's no way that I can manage and balance and juggle all that. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah. And it also allows you to see how different people do different things. You and I have very different working styles. I always, I always um, kid with you about your pension for batching stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, can we take it a little bit at a time? Like, no, five hours straight, no rest, <laughs> no food, no nothing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating. But this no, idea- she's not kidding. She's not exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like, idea- so we're going to plan our episodes, right? I'm like, no, we're going to do them. Right like, now. Right now. Plug in your mic and right done. now. Put on you're not wearing makeup. Right. You got five minutes. Go put on some makeup. Right. <laughs> but but what this allows for me, that what you the possibility that you have opened up for me with me being exposed to how you work, is you know what, Monica? It doesn't take forever. You can it's it can really be one and done. It really can, and it and it's easier to handle that way because you've gotten it off of your plate because you've already handled it. 
And I know you've um, teased me that there was a time when we were launching this thing and, and we, we wanted to launch in March yeah. of last year. And then, and then things weren't coming together. I was like, you know, this is a self-imposed deadline. We could really just do it in two months. And you're like, oh, right. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know that honestly was such a novel concept for me. I was like, oh, you mean all these deadlines that I'm stressed about? I made them up and I could change them. <laughs> what? But you know what? I had a mentor very early on that was very serious. Like you never change the date. It was like, that was his rule. He lived by. He's like, if you say you're going to do it, you hold integrity to yourself and you do it on that date. Mm -hmm. And like, if there's two people there, you do it for two people. And I look at that now and I'm like, gosh, that's really stupid for me. Like, why would I do it for two people when I could change the date and I could have 20 people? Like yes. it, it just doesn't, it does not work for me. Again, that's a rule that works for him mm -hmm. because he thrives with consistency and discipline. And I, I like, I need something to actually work and flow, but I find myself still sometimes having to remind myself like, okay, all this stress, all this pressure, you made up that deadline. So mm -hmm. is it really an accurate deadline or can we move some things or are there other things that the deadline can change so that we can still fulfill this deadline? That's right. And I'm much more committed to excellence than I am to a particular time, right? Because, and, and I mean, there's, there's power in holding to your word, obviously, you know, you want to be in integrity and so forth, but not at the expense of your peace of mind, not at Quality. the expense of your yeah. stress, not at the expense of, you know, like that. So, so we just have to get clear what, what prices we're willing to pay and then move things around accordingly. Yeah. So I, I still that. really like hitting deadlines, so I'm not going to lie. It makes no, me. Oh yeah. This is the, but this is what happy. I'm saying. I think the reason why you and I work so well is because we dance off of each other like that. It's like, there's yeah. times to hold true to a, to a thing. And then there's times it's like, ah, a little flow. Yep. Okay. So if some of our listeners are sitting here and they're like, I want more collaboration in my life, what are the steps to finding the right collaborations? Because I will tell you this, the wrong collaborations are going Ooh. to feel like that high school project where you did everybody's work. They sat back and watched you and they all got your A. So yeah. the wrong collaborations are not going to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my first step is um, the best collaborations is not where you duplicate yourself. Mm -hmm. The best collaborations is when they're complementary energies to yours. If I was collaborating with someone who was also flowy like me, we'd never get anything done. Yeah. There has to be somebody who's like, nope, it's going to be this date, <laughs> you know? And if you collaborate with somebody who was like that, they'd be like, I don't care if your children are suffering, we're going to do it. Some, you need somebody to be like, Amy, relax. We can push the, you know what I mean? So complementary right. energies are the best way to have a successful collaboration. I think that would be my first tip. Yeah. And I would add in there, mine would be, um, that there needs to be a reason why you do it together. So I had this conversation recently with the production company that I'm launching. And, um, I was talking with my partner and she was like, Hey, we could do it like this. And I, I asked her the question. I said, why would we do that together when you could do it on your own? Like, what's mm -hmm. the why? What do you want me for? And mm -hmm. she said, well, I really thrive in collaboration and I want somebody to be able to bounce the ideas off of. And I feel like we'll get it done faster. And I was like, great, I'm in. But if it's something that like you can do on your own and you can do it just as well, I find that it, that is what you're talking about with the duplication, yeah. that there's no benefit that the second person is bringing. And then the collaborations fall apart. And when a collaboration isn't good, it can actually affect relationships negatively. Absolutely. So asking yourself that question, like, 
why would we do it together? What's going to be the benefit? I remember when I was thinking about starting this podcast, having this inner dialogue of like, should I reach out to Monica or should I do it by myself? How would it be better if I did it by myself? How would it be better if we did it together? Mm -hmm. And as I thought it through, I was like, no, it's clearly going to be better if we do it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I think the second, the second strategy for um, how to start with collaborations um and how to get them started is again you and i tease about this all the time but one of the things that i always have present in my mind is plan for the divorce before you get married mm-hmm. and that what that means what i mean by that is how do i know that we are on a downward spiral how do i know that things aren't working for you because the time when things aren't working for you is not the time to ask how things are not working for you this right. is the time to diagnose not interpret and so uh, I know, for example, that things are off with my daughter, for example, let me um, use a personal example. Um, I know that things are off between us when she retreats, when she gives me the, I wouldn't say the silent treatment, but when she's like, it's like, it feels like spoon feeding something out of somebody, I know that something's off with her. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, I know what questions to ask. What right. do you have a vent? Do we need to revisit some of our commitments? Do you do you need to renegotiate some agreements? Like what's happening, right? And so that creates a safe space for her to be able to come out of that shell because the retreat means something's off. Um, so plan for the divorce before you get married so that you understand when things are rocky, you know how to navigate that and you, and you can see the red flag coming before it slaps yes. you in the face. Yeah. Absolutely. So my last tip before we wrap up is that you need to go after the network that you want. Mm -hmm. That was one thing that this whole podcast, as we were starting it out, one of the reasons why I was really motivated to do this was I wanted to up-level my connections. And so if nobody was inviting me to these super cool parties with lots of six and seven figure women, then guess what? I could create the super cool party and invite the six and seven figure women so that I could get those relationships and learn how do they think and what are the challenges they're going through and what, you know, like I've learned so much from the women in my space and Mm -hmm. they are perfectly cultivated because I was intentional about who I wanted to invite into my space. And then I went after it. So you don't have to sit on the sidelines and wait for someone to like, pick me, pick me, pick me. Mm -hmm. You create the party and then you invite people to it. Bring your own table. Stop waiting for the seat (laughs) table. Bring your own table. That's what you said. Yes. What Monica said. Well, we so appreciate you all being here and supporting the podcast. Uh, If you're new and this is your first episode, please subscribe. We have lots of great content that you can go back and listen to and great content that's still coming. So we are on iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher, and we are on YouTube. So pretty much anywhere where you can watch or listen, you will find us. And we would love for you to subscribe, leave us a comment and connect with us. I'm on Instagram at Amy Walker coach. And I'm on Instagram at Monica Ogando. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you again next time. Talk to you soon.